Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Record with Mackenzie Tippett. If you're new here, hi, hello, and welcome. This week we're talking about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55, the Drake curse of Super Bowl 55 too. Um, just real quick, let's run through the layout of this episode. First off, we're going to talk my Super Bowl predictions, which is a pre-recorded segment. Then we're going to follow that up with talking about the concussion protocol, Mahomes, then the analysis of the analysis of the first half and the halftime show then the second half and lastly we're going to wrap things up talking about the commercials duh that's why everybody watches just kidding but anyways if you're new here hi hello and welcome as i said and uh just 411 um this is a podcast just about anything i feel like talking about and i don't do any real promo for it so if you listen thanks you're a real one that's it okay let's go Okay, everybody, let's talk predictions. This weekend, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have Gronkowski. You have Kels or Kelsey. Don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm not an expert. If you came here for that, wrong podcast. Um, You have Tyreek Hill, whose literal nickname is the Cheetah. You have Brady, who is considered the goat to a lot of people. And you have Patrick Mahomes. This is Patrick Mahomes' second Super Bowl attendance. He's only been playing in the league, I think, for about four seasons now. And, you know, coming in as a rookie, he was very very good. He, I think he got rookie of the year, if I'm remembering correctly. He had this whole thing that was going great for him with doing the snake eye. And, you know, last last season, they went to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs beat the 49ers. And part of me would like to think that that was beginner's luck for at least Pat Mahomes. And I just his, you know, I, I think that's something that is undeniably, you know, something that everybody will think about whenever somebody who wins their first Super Bowl ap- appearance, you know, comes out on top like that and they win like i said um but this is tom tom brady and gronkowski's like expectation i feel like going into the season they're not new to this stage it's very comparable to what i was talking about in early in an earlier episode about ohio state and alabama going into the college football championship tom brady and gronkowski very much mimic the Alabama Crimson Tide mindset of like, oh, we're we're not new at this. This is something we're used to. This is what we expect. This is normal, right? They don't get that same like stage fright. I feel like, you know, and people will say, oh, McKenzie, well, they're in the NFL. It's hard to get stage fright. Okay, well, that's I don't believe that because if there are people who like Adele says she gets stage fright and she and everybody in the world knows how good of a singer she is, athletes most definitely get nervous stepping onto a Super Bowl field or a championship field, right? I'm not wrong. Some of them, maybe maybe they don't. But I mean, regardless, I think that Patrick Mahomes going up against what anybody would, what a lot of people consider or who a lot of people consider the GOAT, right? Tom Brady. Granted, they will never share the field at the same time. I think he's going to be a little shaken up in his, in his boots. I think it's going to be a slow game for the Chiefs. I ultimately do believe that the Buccaneers are going to come out on top. I think, however, that it'll be a very like, medium level scoring game because hopefully, I mean, I think that the strength of any team is sits within their, their line, you know, their O line or their D line. And assuming that for both teams, each line holds out, I think we'll end up with a score of like, I want to say like 24 to 31, 31. I think it'll be a very similar score to actually their regular season game, which, however, the Chiefs did win that game. They did, but not by a large margin. It was 27-24, only one field goal difference, right? So I don't think there's going to be uh, – But I, so with that being said, I I think that it was a, it was a barely a, 
like a, a scrape by of a win, right? So I don't think that there's going to be a lot of um, say so in terms of you know the Chiefs and their and their power on the field. And also, this is one of the first. I think it is. It might be the very first time that a Super Bowl is being held at one of the team's home fields. It's going to be in Tampa, you know, and so. And after a season of not allowing people to come into stadiums, I think at least the difference, though, with that is I think, if I remember correctly, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers both allowed some people to come into their stadiums. I think. I could be totally wrong. And you're thinking, Mackenzie, do you really watch football when I said that? Yeah, I do. I just, some of these things I don't remember. Um, but regardless, I do think that Tom Brady's going to win. I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of man-to-man coverage. And, you know, Gronkowski and Kelsey, both exceptional tight ends, right? But I think there's just that duo that Tom Brady and and Gronkowski have that is not present on the Kansas City Chiefs team, you know? And that's not to say that nobody, that they're not good, right? Because, I mean, they have some very valuable key players and people who are very talented. However, when you have a duo like that, that has gone from organization to organization together. And in my opinion, who I don't think would, I think that there, there will never be a team that has Gronkowski on it. That doesn't have Brady on it. That can, that will, you know, consistently appear at a Super Bowl level, you know, or compete at that level constantly, at least, you know, with one or the other, it has to be both of them. They're such a power duo together on the field and they know how each other works, right? They are reliable and they know that, you know, they don't have to worry about anything. And that should be the case for any player that anybody has on their team when you're on the field and everybody should know their place. Everybody should know what they're doing, but it's just another level for those two. And so I think for that reason and for the reason that, you know, Tom Brady and Gronkowski, but I think it's such and the home field advantage, the duo, the strength of that duo, right? And the mentality of, oh, we've been here, done that multiple times, more than once. I think that there, for that reason, it's, it's, it's no, it's, there's no debate, even though I, I really would rather the Chiefs win personally. My, my heart wants the Chiefs to win. My head is saying the Buccaneers. So I'm going with the Buccaneers. It's going to be 31 to 24 is my like prediction guess. Okay, so now let's talk about Patrick Mahomes' concussion and, in general, just the NFL's concussion protocol, right? One of my least favorite things in sports is the NFL concussion protocol. I think it's extremely flawed, and I think it's most definitely something that is fast-tracked in order to put players back on the field so the league can get more money. Because I I think that if the, the league can make players play with, on a broken bone without a cast, they would, right? Because... Unless they can, unless they cannot force a player to go out into the field and, and play with with an injury, they, it's 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 just it's it's just absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. But nonetheless, let's talk about the play. Let's talk about how Patrick Mahomes got this concussion. So it's the it's Sunday's um, AFC divisional playoff game. It's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. There's about seven to eight minutes left in the third quarter. Patrick Mahomes goes to run the ball. It's not that many yards. I think it's like three to four yards, maybe not even that. And out of his left side comes linebacker Mac Wilson and he hits him and Patrick Holmes goes down and he stays down for about five seconds. Within those five seconds, he then attempts to get up, but has to receive assistance Follows with followed by that. He starts to stumble over his feet and he looks extremely out of it. 
And we know this about concussions. It's not necessarily how hard somebody is hit. It's how it happens, right? And the thing about this is visibly anybody with two eyeballs that work remotely could tell that Patrick Mahomes was extremely shaken up. I don't, it didn't look like any sort of minor concussion, right? And we've seen those before. And, but anyways, this is how the NFL handles it. So they do first what's called a sideline survey. This is followed by when a player is immediately removed from the sideline after they are stabilized on the field or, you know, attended to on the field as needed. They remove the helmet and then they perform a sideline survey. They, rec- they ask the player to recall a, the history of the event. Then they look for concussion signs and symptoms. And then they ask Maddox questions. Okay, Mackenzie, what are Maddox questions? Maddox questions include very general questions such as, where are we today? What half is it? What, who, what team are you playing? I'm sorry. In my opinion, and maybe it's just because I'm just somebody who's never actually played football other than powder puff. But I think something, but just from like a, like, I'm not a medical professional either, but hey, I'm going to say it anyways, from a medical standpoint, I think those questions are way too general to be asking somebody. Because you should ask, ask questions that they would normally remember if they were not concussed. You could look around and probably guess or hear maybe, like, because here's the thing. If you have a severe concussion, no, you probably will not be able to like recount any of those questions maybe right but the point is is that you should be covering any base from like very minimum concussions minimal concussions to severe concussions so you should be asking those questions like okay what down was it right how many yards were there because a quarterback or anybody on the field when it, at the time of, of the hit would know that you know, like who was your intended receiver if you if they're a quarterback? Who was that? Who were you planning on? You know, what play were you supposed to run? I don't know. Maybe not extremely hard questions like that, but questions that are more specific than where are we? Right. Anyways, but then they follow that up with a video review of the hit, and then after that, they go into a focused neurological exam of the cervical spine. And they do an evaluation of speech. Is it slurred? Is it broken? What's the deal? An observation of gait. So like, how are they standing? What are they, how is their movement? Eye movements and pupillary exam. Okay. I know for a fact that um, after that game, I'm mean, after that hit, I'm pretty sure Patrick Mahomes did not go back onto the field. Smart move, NFL. Surprised you did it. Anyways, after that, if any elements of the sideline survey are positive they or inconclusive or suspicious, they escort the player to the locker room. And after in the locker room, they do a complete NFL scat and then a complete neurological exam, which is, again, that's something that I feel like should be done, not a focused neurological exam, but I feel like the NFL has enough money to do that regardless. Because let's, because to reference Will Smith's movie Concussion, and it highlights everything that happens and the whole movie is basically about the, the trauma and drama that can go, that goes behind what happens when players or NFL players, college players get concussions and they're not treated or handled properly. A concussion can cause a wide variety of, of long-term effects that are not placed in enough importance within the NFL. They can, they change somebody, they can change somebody's whole entire like 
outlook on life. They could become ex- people and players or who get concussions and are, do not treat them appropriately are known to become way more suicidal, have mood swings, dietary changes, and and just prolonged difficulty mentally. Duh, it's trauma to the brain. It's literally trauma to the brain, but the NFL wants to put them on a fast track to get back on the field. What? If you if they really cared that much about Patrick Mahomes playing and they really cared that much about him being in the Super Bowl, and I know this is a lot to ask, but like because okay, McKenzie, this is it's a lot of money. It's the Super Bowl. Okay, but if you really wanted him that bad, you could have postponed the Super Bowl. It's not worth the long-term effect on players' health, right? Especially if it's only his fourth season. Holy smokes. Imagine you get rocked that if I mean, and his was only like not it wasn't that serious and he was cleared to play next week against the Bills in the championship. What in the world? According to medical professionals, you shouldn't be doing anything for at least two weeks. I have friends who got concussions like all the time. And that sounds, you know, that sounds stupid, but playing sports, they got concussions a lot. And they were out for a really long time, like six weeks. A lot of times, some of like some of my friends couldn't even play for whole seasons. And then you want to put a guy immediately back in a week later? NFL do better. What in the world? Anyways, I, it's just a bunch of old people sitting in the box getting money. So I guess they really don't care. But I, I do think that they should do better because the whole part of treating concussions is literally to do deconditioning, to not work out, to not do as much physical activity, to change your diet, change your sleep habits. If you're trying to immediately put a player back on the field within a week, there is no time to decondition. If anything, they're going to go back into hypertraining their brains immediately like two to like two days after call a two-day rest period and then they're going to say okay back in there it doesn't make it okay super bowl 55 was a letdown let's just lead out of the gate with that it was one of the slowest games it, it reminded me of what what i don't remember what year it was but it was the the year the broncos it was i think it was like peyton manning's last season I don't know. It reminded me of that game. I don't remember who they were playing. Don't remember what Super Bowl, Super Bowl it was, but it was almost as boring as that. The fact that I remembered that how boring something was means it was very boring. So with that being said, slow start, slow game. Gronk is a receiver now. Tight end to wide receiver. Hmm? He made two touchdowns. Anyways, um, in Kansas City, the only thing impressive that they did as a team in the first half and in just in general the the game yeah the game was just was holding Tampa at the goal line right in the first half that was strong i was like way to go d line the d line was there right the o line absolutely absent missed class checked out packed their bags were across the country somewhere they weren't even there get your head in the game they don't know that song by Tro- sung by Troy Bolton Corbin Blue in the basketball arena of East High hmm no, they were not there at all. They reminded me a lot of that, what was the three-year period of time where it was like, um, like I think it was like 2017, 20, no, 2015, 2018, Russell Wilson up in, up in Seattle, his O-line was absent and he was having to run constantly in order to get the ball to, in, into the hands of a receiver or just run it himself in general. There was, the O-line was absent. Patrick Holmes played his little heart out. God bless him. But 
And even I, as I predicted, man-to-man coverage by the Buccaneers, absolutely on point. They were everywhere all the time. The cheetah, Tyreek Hill, could not get open. At one point, the ball bounced off his helmet. An effort was made. Nothing was executed unless you were the kicker making that 48-yard 40, field goal or more. Yeah, it was a kicker's game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Kicker's game. And so, without without a doubt, you know, the the defensive line performed strong. And it was, you know, again, the, the, blah, 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 the O-line where we saw the lack of urgency and overall just inattentiveness to holding in order for Mahomes to execute. It was a kicking game for Kansas City in the first half, no doubt. And that's all I have to say on the first half. Tom Brady showed up as expected. Kansas City shaken in their boots. Anyways, let's go let's go ahead and talk about the halftime show. So, with COVID, there were going to be exceptions, right? Dancers couldn't be about like six feet apart. I think there was a rule and everything, despite shipping them all over together on school buses. Okay. And then with that, um, they, all of the vocals were actually live, which is one of, that's one of the first shows I think to happen the past 10 years for all the vocals to be live. So when they sounded a little bit weird, when the weekend was singing, um, that's why it's because it is very hard to mix vocals and music when in a live performance. And I think he even had to change microphones a couple of times. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about, um, just the whole message around it, because I know a lot of people were very confused and my dad was like, are they wearing chin straps on their face? Like they, he thought like they were wearing, like, I don't even know. I was like, dad, there's a story behind it. And I mean, yeah, even though I'm a music person, it is weird. It was, it, the whole thing is weird. The whole thing with blinding lights is that, so if you, it, and it covers over the past couple of months, right? So it starts out and the, um, and, and the weekend is like normal and he's singing the blinding lights. And then it goes into the, when he did the music video and he goes under, and no, it was the MTV Music Awards. He shows up, I think either with the bandage on the red carpet. And then when he receives the award, he looks all bruised. And then the music video and of blinding lights and he has all it looks like he his face has been totally reconstructed into this fake plastic full of injections type looking face a whole new look if you will and the whole story with blinding lights and the whole you know thing behind it and why they had those bandages on their face it's a metaphor for like what happens to people when they become famous or when they get to hollywood and they they either go crazy and they become full of themselves and so they think, oh, I have to perfect myself even more because I'm so perfect. Or they fall victim to everything and then they think that they have to change because of where they are, who they are, what they're doing. So yeah, if you were confused about the halftime show, allow me to explain. And I love the memes of the beginning of the halftime show when he was running running through the like light maze thing. And one of the memes actually related to the game was um, Patrick Mahomes trying to find an open receiver. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. And then another one I thought I thought was funny was like um, when you're trying to follow your waitress to your table in the Cheesecake Factory. But overall, though, my favorite halftime shows ever were Michael Jackson. I thought he did a really good job, even though I was really young. I I I I remember watching it. Like I don't. I remember watching it on like a YouTube video or something. And then um, Bruno Mars, highly underrated. People say they want Rihanna to come back and make more music. I want Bruno Mars to come back and make more music. I think the last time I heard of him was when he was doing that song with Cardi B. I don't remember the name of it. But um, yeah, I miss him a lot. Bruno, you're not listening to this. But if you are, 
please, please make some music. Anyways, and then who else did I think was really good? I think that, oh my goodness, Adam Levine in Maroon 5, that was a whole letdown. Yeah, I definitely think that Bruno Mars has 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 had the bet one of the best halftime shows. But anyways, oh, and the weekend was also the first Canadian to do it. I thought that was kind of cool. But then I, then again, I'm like, wait, it's it's the NFL. Anyways, okay, we don't discriminate. Let's talk about the second half. Okay, let's talk about the second half. I don't remember if it was if both of them happened in the second half or if one of them happened at the very end of the first half, but Patrick Mahomes during the Super Bowl threw two of the most beautiful incomplete passes that I've seen in the league in a while. Let me just be honest here. Or maybe it was just like the stigma of being in the Super Super Bowl, but both of them happened um, very close to, or actually one of them happened within the touchdown zone, right? Could have put up 14 points with those incompletions, but didn't happen. 14... And so let's see if he if the if he had thrown thrown both of those. I'm doing quick math in my head, but me and quick math don't do well together. Okay, no, they still wouldn't have won. Anyways, um, basically one of them bound the one I don't I do not remember for the life of me who it is, and I'm not gonna look up who it was. Um, but basically at the standing at the goal line, Patrick Mahomes on his way down, like trying to escape a def- a defender coming to hit him, threw the ball down. And I don't remember how many yards it was, but it was it was quite a bit. And the guy is standing at the line of the end zone, and it bounces off his helmet. How much more of bad luck could you have gotten? Not much. And then the and the then the other time, um, Patrick Mahomes, as he was being hit, launched the football down the field, and I don't remember who it was again. I'm not going to look it up. Was extending his entire body in the back left corner of the end zone, uh, getting ready to catch the ball didn't didn't manage to do it but it was still a beautiful throw and then in the third quarter wild interception here at about the 45 yard line by number 31 Anthony Winfield Jr. and Anthony Winfield Jr. caught that ball he ran it back and then he did not forget what Mr. Tyree Kill did to him in the regular season game which was throw up a peace sign in front of him taunting him and you know what he did in return as soon as he finished that play and finished running that ball back he got right in front of Tyreek Hill and he threw up a peace sign <laughs> and I thought that was like you know if I were in the NFL well I probably wouldn't do that but mentally I would mentally I would do that and I think it's very funny and after the game actually apparently Tyreek Hill made a comment like oh like that was not professional okay dude like practice what you preach <laughs> anyways um then there was a streaker don't know if y'all missed that or saw that um but uh I gotta say the sideline security much stronger than the Kansas City defense. I mean, the Kansas City O-line. Much, much stronger. And at that, the defense partially too. But not the line. The line is good. Anyways, um, yeah. That's all I have to say about the second half too. Again, this was just such a boring Super Bowl. Let's talk about the commercials. Let's get into the nitty gritty of why I called this episode the Drake curse of Super Bowl 55. So, one of the first episodes to be aired during Super Bowl 55 was a State Farm commercial featuring Jake from State Farm, right? Drake, right? Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. If you know anything about the Drake curse, everybody thought it was dead for a while. Like since 2019, we haven't heard much of it, but basically there's this thing where if Drake supports you, supports your team during the time of a championship, it has to be during the time of the championship that he comes out and does it. 
And it happened with the raft the Raptors. It happened with um Kentucky. It happened with it happened with Alabama during the college football championship when they played LSU, I think. Was it LSU? Was it when they played LSU or was it when they played Clemson? Can't remember. But anyways, it's happened to all of those all of those teams. And what happens is if Drake supports your team, they're going to lose no matter what. Or if you're if you're associated with him within the time or around this, the championship, your team is going to lose no matter what. That commercial could have been filmed in August, July, June. Didn't matter. It was set in stone by Drake. The Drake curse is real. And I think they, not 100%, because they did play Tom Brady. However, the Drake curse is very much alive and real, and it needs to be feared, people. It needs to be feared. Feared and revered. Drake cursed NFL Super Bowl 55. Anyways, a lot of the commercials were also very emotional. And for the time being, like, I get it. Like, they were trying to be sentimental of, like, oh, the times we're going through but I didn't want to hear it. Okay, the Toyota commercial uh, with the with the the legless swimmer or the footless swimmer. I don't know what you want to call it. I don't I don't know the formal word. I'm not trying to be offensive. But where was the Toyota in that commercial? Toyota go places. Go where in the Toyota? I only saw a swimmer. And then there were also a lot of celebrity appearances that and you had to know who they were and what their story was almost in order to understand a lot of the commercials i think it was the t-mobile commercial that had adam levine gwen stefani and blake shelton in it and unless you knew about that whole situation with the voice and how gwen and blake are dating or are they married now i don't know unless you knew that whole situation you probably wouldn't understand that commercial it was i mean i think it was a good commercial i don't really remember but anyways i think that you know Paramount did a good job. I liked how they had this like segment thing going throughout the whole thing. So if you stayed for the big, if you watched from, you know, quarter one to quarter four, all the way through, you were getting a little bit more of the piece of the puzzle every time. I thought that was very good. And then the Doritos commercial, always highly anticipated. Normally, normally though, we know this, Doritos has people send in stuff. Like they have people send in audition commercials and then they end up going and doing the big, big production if they win you know but this year they decided to have celebrity cameo in it matthew mcconaughey and that was a trend across a lot of the commercials there was a whole lot of um celebrity cameos and i think that was just i think partially i mean i was kind of like oh man wish we could have like the more more of the normal stuff right but i think because of covid i think it's something that they could write off and just say it was work and so like it wasn't any big thing for them but I don't know. I think other people could have done the same, but something about the whole celebrity pass, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, the Doritos commercial was really, was good, I think. But I think it was just put out too early. It was one of the first commercials I saw in the beginning of the game. And because of how highly anticipated it it, it, it normally is, and it, and it is every year, I think it was just, you know, advertised too early. But, and then lastly, M&M's never disappoints. I thought that was so good. And one guy was hoping that like M&M's would go full out um, and be like weird and because it's normally like something like mildly like PG-13 rated. I'm going to say that PG-13 rated normally leaning type commercials. Yeah, this year they didn't do that. Dan, Le- Dan-, Dan Levy, Levy, Levi, I don't know how you say his name was in it. That was good. Anyways, that's that's all I have to say. 
Okay, everybody, that concludes this week's episode of Off the Record with Mackenzie Tippett. I hope you enjoyed it. My little amateur rundown of the Super Bowl. It's not going to get much more professional than it, it than it was today, which was not professional at all. This, or at least may, maybe it will one day, but you know, today is just not that day. This week's not that time. And my bedroom at like nine o'clock at night is not the place. So anyways, peace out. All, all the love to you. Thanks for listening. Right. Anyways, talk to you guys next week. Bye.